Welcome to another episode of the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. Today, we want to welcome Pratik, human performance expert and a former NFL and nutrition performance coach who now helps CEOs and founders transform their health and their bodies using protocols and methods from the NFL. Welcome to the Precision Health Pod. We're so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Love to get started with uh, hearing a little bit more about how you got into uh, nutrition and performance coaching. Yeah, so I think it all started when I was a, an overweight teen, uh, had played sports growing up, and then went through a sedentary period, and then recognized that if I stayed on the same path, I wasn't really going to be able to enjoy life the, the way I wanted to. So took my health into my own hands, so to speak, and started trying to research how do I eat, how do I exercise, you know, doing everything wrong from the get-go reading magazines from the store, talking to the people at GNC, and to learn my nutrition and supplementation recommendations from that. Um, it was the wrong information, but fortunately, I was able to at least be consistent with what I was doing. Dropped a bunch of weight, really started following in, in love with the process of how you, know, you can transform your health, the way you feel, the way other people potentially act towards you if you just take some small steps and stick with it over time. So from that, was able to get back into sports, really... Uh, enjoyed playing sports but i think the training aspect of it was where i fell in love with combining everything from a health and nutrition and training perspective to really get some changes and see some specific adaptations and and change your body you know build muscle lose fat and from there ended up you know going to college uh, transitioned into the dietetics curriculum so ended up doing my dietetics undergrad at kansas state Finished my time there, started bouncing around for different work opportunities, did my clinical internship at the Mayo Clinic, went back to K-State for a master's in kinesiology because I started learning that there is a possible uh, career field with working with athletes and having a good background, not only in nutrition, but exercise science, being able to speak the language or even coach athletes from a strength and conditioning perspective would make me a little bit more valuable, more market. So started coaching. When I was at Kansas State, worked with the men's basketball team there and finished up my time there. Worked at Michigan State for three years, University of Oregon for three years, and then and found my way in the NFL, worked with the New York Giants for four years, and really got a chance to learn a lot at each step. So it wasn't specifically focusing only on nutrition, but how does this interplay with nutrition work along the lines of stress management, sleep, health, diagnosing uh, blood biomarkers, recovery, what assessments and tests should be done? How to use that information to not only make decisions for training and what your recommendations are, but communicating it to the athlete because they're the end users. They're the ones that have to buy in and actually do these things at the end of the day and recognize that a lot of it is so much over interwoven. There's a lot of overlap when we're talking about health and performance in general. And there are certain areas that athletes do really well on, certain areas that athletes aren't really meeting the mark. And it's, it takes, you know, time to understand where they're at, you know, getting a chance to do tests and assessments, tracking blood markers, um, doing body composition assessments and more in-depth like anthropometric assessments, looking at their genetics um, because everybody is so inherently different and we have to make a big impact on them in a very small amount of time. And to get that buy-in, you have to prove you know what you're doing because if you don't, then they're not really going to listen to you. So you've already lost that opportunity to positively impact them. So it sounds like you're really taking a very individualized approach when you were working with these athletes, um, looking at biomarkers, thinking through nutrition. Talk me through a little bit how you approach um, optimization, performance optimization on the athlete side. 
Yeah, I think understanding overall, like what is it that they're going to encounter and experience that we don't have any control over. So overall, we know the full NFL schedule. Offseason starts in April. So last month, all the teams reported back to start their offseason training program. So we know that everything's broken up into different phases. We know that you have a minimal amount of time with them. And this course goes over about 10 weeks. Then there's a break. Then training camp starts. And then the season starts. So if you have a very supportive administration, GM, head coach, you have an idea of exactly how do we want to prepare these athletes at every step of the way, because you have a minimal amount of time and you also don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in. Because if the last game was played and you didn't make the playoffs, that's a four and a half month layoff that you potentially haven't seen or interacted with any of the players. So there's a lot of good that can be done in that time, but there's also a lot of uh, bad that can be done in that time, which, you know, unfortunately... Some athletes miss the mark with really being able to take care of their health and get their bodies to be able to handle full NFL calendar load. So understanding that, we know that, again, we have to be on top of ourselves, be very organized in constant communication with the medical staff, with uh, the head coaches, with the position coaches, with the GM, the assistant GMs to understand, okay, this is our team, this is what we have. And this is what we need to do with them. So yeah, there's going to be physical training in the weight room, on the field, developing different strength qualities, developing qualities to get them ready for practice. And we know what those practices are, hopefully, in terms of the load, what the expectation is, what the coaches are going to have them do. So that really guides us from a training perspective, but also from a nutrition perspective. Because now we know potentially how much energy they're going to be expending. And then we monitor that with workloads. So a lot of teams will use Catapult to monitor GPS and a variety of other different metrics and being able to see how the athletes are responding to what they're being expected to do or they're asked to do is very important too, because at the end of the day, all the lifting, all the practices, that's all the same, but their habits, the things that they end up doing outside of that time, the health status that they have is going to influence their ability to continue to adapt to all the different stressors that get thrown on them. It's either going to push them in the right direction or it's going to hold them back. So our goal is to make sure that they are physically and mentally ready to perform, but also recovering to continue to handle the day-to-day grind of what the expectations are if you are an NFL athlete. And now you're taking all of these lessons that you learned working with these high-performing individuals on the field uh, and taking it more towards executives, CEOs, founders, other busy individuals who want to optimize overall their life. Um, why did you make the jump between athletes and, and the folks you're working with now? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I really enjoyed my time working in sport, but I think ultimately you're not going to be able to do all that you feel like you can. There's always going to be some form of a constraint, whether it's league mandate, A, the CBA doesn't allow you to do X, Y, and Z, or sometimes you might have new coaches that come in that have, you know, philosophies of what they would like the team to be. Or, you know, the organization just doesn't allow you to do certain things. So I think for me, I got to a point where I had accumulated all this knowledge, done some individual things here and there, but the totality of it all, it was still missing. And I felt like if I could really get a chance to harness all these different areas, what we call um, the performance, then that can really make a positive and lasting impact instead of trying to force certain things on a group of athletes that may or may not want to buy in, or you may, you may still might not have the time or resources to be able to do so. So that, that was somewhat of a little frustrating thing that I, I experienced and encountered. And, you know, I, I like the executives, the CEOs, the founders, because they are very much 
you know, mental athletes in their own aspect, you know, they put in long hours. They know that if they want to achieve something, they have to be very consistent. If they want to be the best, they have to continue to give effort. You know, it's not the same physical demand, but there's a very high mental and emotional demand that is very much um, indicative of it. But at the same time, a lot of these people have achieved a lot of success doing things a certain way. Same thing for a lot of athletes, same thing for a lot of coaches, but to be able to take the next step, you have to reevaluate yourself and you can't rest on your laurels. You can't just say, well, this is the way I've always done it and it's brought me success. And if I continue to do it that way, you know, I should expect to see the same progress and same goals. While having that mindset, a lot of people have achieved success, but at the expense of their own health. And they know that they need to take the next step and level up and the thing holding them back isn't necessarily putting in more hours. It's not getting a chance to feel really good and to be empowered, to feel like they have total control of their health, to be super energetic, to have mental clarity, to be able to handle the demands of being a, a person in this position. So that's what really has attracted me to to this population. It's really like kind of that executive athlete concept where maybe you're not making gains on the field, but like you said, you're in a constant mental battle. You need to be at your like the top of your game every single day, highly productive, making sure that you're really paying attention to everything that's going on and, and being able to act uh, in the best way possible. So talk to me a little bit about what are some of the benefits or what are some of the goals that um, these executives comes come to you for uh, and how do you help them achieve those? Yeah, the, the good thing is they're not looking for a six pack and they don't wanna have you know a four, three, 40 or a specific bench or squat. A lot of them realize that you know, success to them means feeling really energetic. You know, some might have poor sleep habits, so they're not thinking the way that they want to, or they know they incurred a lot of stress. You know, the pandemic of 2020 really affected a lot of these businesses where people were stressed to the extreme. They may have almost lost their, their businesses or everything went under, um, but they were able to kind of make it through, but they didn't develop the best habits. And now they know that hey, I know I'm overweight and I don't feel really well. I don't feel strong. Uh, my energy levels are very low. And what they want is somebody to help them understand what is it that they can do that's realistic but speaks specifically to them that can help them, you know, gain more energy, think more clearly, you know, sleep better so that they feel rested, so they feel, you know, ready to take on the day and handle all the different obligations that they're in charge of. Uh, some definitely do want to lose weight. You know, they're like, Hey, I've got the spare tire on my body, but I don't know exactly how to eat. My schedule is crazy. It changes. I, I travel a lot. I might have access to a gym. I might not, uh, what they want are just sustainable, realistic actions that they can implement, but that's also going to drive and keep them interested in health for the long term. And where do you typically start with these people uh, in terms of, are you starting with testing? Are you starting with nutrition? What's step one? Yeah, step one is just making sure that we do a full assessment on a variety of different areas. So obviously a lot of people will come and specifically want to focus on nutrition or they want to focus on um, exercise and training. But I think, you know, obviously those two are very important, but it's also really important to understand, you know, what their sleep habits are, you know, where the stresses are coming from that they're experiencing. What does a normal schedule or a typical schedule look like? You know, what's the day in the life of so-and-so? What does it look like over a week? What does it look like over a month? The environment that they're around, you know, at home, at work, the things that they surround themselves. So not only with people, but also the information that they take in and you know, how much time are they spending indoors versus outside? 
Um, and then also getting into a little bit of community and mindset and uh, their, their mental health too, because all of those have a very strong component in terms of affecting health. They, they do it individually, but collectively there is a lot of interlap. They are interwoven and there is a lot of overlap. So understanding where they're at and then saying, okay, I'm seeing that there are two big areas that we really need to focus on because the other ones are actually pretty good. But these are the two that I think would provide the biggest ROI or the biggest amount of um, positivity for them. And then getting a chance to craft the plan, put it in place, having an opportunity to assess each one of those areas. So whether it's specific tests, you know, getting blood draws done, you know, doing body composition analysis, tracking sleep, you know, using a wearable, looking at HRV, and then getting a chance to just monitor it, you know, seeing how they're adapting over time to that specific area, and then getting a chance to test it again and reevaluate to where hey, I've done really well on nutrition. I'm ready to work on sleep. Okay, let's move to the next area. Because the goal is not to fix everything all at once. Maybe you chase five rabbits, you get no rabbits. But if they have the ability to handle one or two, and it's like, okay, this is how we're going to do for the first couple months. This is what we're going to focus on until the new concepts become familiar, the familiar concepts become routine, and then the routine becomes very unconscious to where they just end up doing it. And nobody has to tell them about it or has to hold them accountable to it. What are some of the best ways that you found to help people get to that place where it just becomes a routine uh, when you're dealing with people and and behavior change? Yeah, I think one is just, again, assessing and understanding where they're currently at. You know, what level of knowledge do they have? How important is it to them? Getting a chance to communicate it to them that speaks specifically to not only what they want to achieve, but their core values as a person as a whole. Because if there's no association with it, then there's not going to be any movement towards trying to make it better. And then again, starting very small. So the goal is not to try to have them do 20 different things at once. So if it's sleep that somebody is struggling with and it becomes really erratic, uh, identifying like, okay, what is it that is something that can anchor these good habits? You know, is it we need to craft a sleep routine that speaks specifically to them? Do we need to focus on, you know, nutrition or supplementation to support that? Um, again, getting a chance to, to monitor that habit over the course of a week, you know, evaluating it, providing feedback, and then continuing to hold them accountable. So I think that's something that a lot of these high level performers outside of the court and the field really respond well to is just having somebody be able to coach them and guide them through it. Uh, instead of just like, Hey, you need to do this. Now you're on your own. Because if that happens, then they're just so busy. It's just going to fall by the wayside. Of course. And what are some things that kind of taking it out outside of how you you help the executives? What are some people that are or what are some things that people that are just busy professionals who want to start taking control of their health? What's what are some kind of examples of things that they could start doing uh, maybe even before they start to get into the more intense coaching that, um, for instance, you offer? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just raising self-awareness about where you're at and what your current habits are. Because some people might be doing things really well and they might not even realize it. And some people can track something on their own and recognize like, oh, I'm definitely not meeting my mark or I thought I was. So for some that don't know where to start on their exercise journey, I think really just moving around every 60, 90, 120 minutes, just getting more movement in during the day if it's possible. You know, taking calls on a walk, going outside, you know, you finish a meal instead of just sitting down at your desk and looking at what do I have next to do? It's like, okay, hey, just move around for five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, accumulate a little bit of movement. 
Um, doesn't mean you have to jump into a crazy workout program right off the bat. It's, you know, small steps over time are really going to push you in the direction of where you want to go. The next is, you know, are you consistent with like your eating habits? So obviously nutrition is a big one. You know, how often are you eating when you're bored? How often are you eating because you're staying up? How often are you just drinking alcohol for the sake of it? And it's not necessarily like a social obligation or, you know, a celebration. You know, some of these things that are contributing to poor health, some people don't even recognize because it has become unconscious for them because it's part of their routine and no one's made them aware of it. So I think there are small things in each one of those areas, but uh, for the most part is just really just being honest with yourself, like just looking within and saying, okay, what am I doing in the area of nutrition? What am I doing in terms of what my sleep habits are? You know, am I, am I moving throughout the day or am I stuck in a chair for 10, 12, 16 hours a day? You mentioned movement, you mentioned nutrition, you mentioned alcohol and sleep. Is there anything else that people are getting wrong that are being part of that unconscious, just like daily habit that really is is not going to serve them well? I think a lot of it is just the environment that's around you because everybody wants to be a higher performer. They want to feel better. They want to just, I guess, again, that buzzword right now is optimize. I think, you know, are you getting light exposure outdoor? You know, can you open up a window? I mean, there's a study that I read that, you know, if you open up a window, you can decrease CO2 levels indoors, which can actually improve mental clarity and cognitive function by like 15% or something. I'm like, that's a simple fix. All you have to do is just um, go close to a window and, and open it up. Um, I think a lot of it is just people are confused on what to do because now there's more information than ever before. You know, even some of the published information sometimes goes back and forth between uh, what is right, what is optimal. It continuously uh, contradicts itself, which makes people even more confused. So they don't know who to turn to and what's right and what's credible. And that's always going to be the case, unfortunately. Um, but I think, again, it, it's simple things, simple changes over time can make a big deal and not trying to fix everything all at once. Because I know that some people are just very type A, they want to make sure everything is perfect. But when you chase perfection, it becomes a lot difficult to sustain it. Of course. And on that note, it's kind of looking internally a little bit more. Um, how do you stay physically fit? How do you stay on top of your physical health without the, the chasing of perfection? Yeah, I think I think one is just recognizing what's ideal for me and what I'm comfortable with. So I'm not trying to chase massive size or strength in the weight room. So we know that the things that really are positively correlated to healthy aging and longevity is, you know, muscle mass and strength. So I do resistance training four days a week. Uh, the way I program it is make sure that I'm not in the gym for hours on end. It's like, look, I can get in 45 minutes and then I'm out. Um, another big piece of that is just daily movement. So again, just making sure that I'm trying to hit at least eight to 10,000 steps per day, uh, having a way to do that, you know, moving after I eat, you know, for five to 10 minutes, trying to take a long walk in the morning. If I can't do that, I'll try to take one after dinner outside in the evening. Um, the next is just making sure that I try to follow a pretty good sleep schedule, you know, obviously with, with the family obligations, uh, everybody's up pretty early. So in bed by 10, up by six, even on the weekend, like I normally just wake up, like that's just how it goes. Um, and then making sure that this is one of the big ones that I've been implementing over the past few years is, you know, tracking HRV and not everybody has to do this, but implementing a lot more aerobic training. You know, I always thought that the gym sessions, the lifting would take care of everything, but that's only going to fix and move the needle on strength and muscle mass. It doesn't change anything in terms of improving my VO2 
improving my HRV ceiling, allowing my cardiovascular system to assist with recovery and helping me handle more stress, which I think is a, is a huge deal. So I don't kill myself with cardio, but it might just be a couple long bike sessions, you know, where I can actually do work on the bike too. So it's not like I have to feel like my schedule can't be integrated to do some of these things as well. And the last one is really just eating properly. So, you know, over time, the way that I've had the, the chance to manipulate in my body in terms of size and body composition, now I feel I'm at a comfortable weight that I can maintain for a really long time, which is great because I'm not worried about, you know, oh, I'm not the biggest guy in the room or I'm not the strongest guy in the room. Like that doesn't matter. That doesn't speak to me and what my genetics are and what's ideal for me and what I'm hoping to achieve. So um, my general nutrition rules are I eat three to four times a day, same times every single day, um, prioritize protein, but also eat really good quality, complex carbohydrates, um, healthy fats. Definitely love fruits and vegetables. I know that, again, there's a lot of misinformation about, oh, can you not eat them because of anti-nutrients and this, that, and the third. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just funny. It's just making sure if, if I do what I, what I can do within my control for the majority of the time throughout the entire week, then it's all right if, you know, go out and have a late meal, you know, have a drink, uh, stay up watching a movie, socializing with friends, because I know the next day I'm like, hey, I'm just right back into my routine. That way I can still integrate the things that, you know, I enjoy doing and make me feel human uh, while, you know, having some of those vices, but then strategically making sure that it's, it's implemented in a way that I can handle it. Are you tired of guesswork when it comes to your health? Look no further. Routine is here to simplify your wellness journey and help you unlock your best health. With Routine's convenient at-home lab tests and customized nutrient solutions, you can fast track your health goals and understand your body like never before. No more one-size-fits-all approaches. Routine tailors science-backed plans and custom nutrient solutions to your unique needs, providing personalized nutrients, insights, and guidance. From smart multivitamins based on your lab test results to targeted supplements and personalized improvement plans for stress management, Routine has you covered. Experienced unmatched results that you can track and feel, allowing you to achieve your full health potential with Routine. Visit routine.co to start your personalized path to ultimate well-being. Say goodbye to the hassle of generic solutions and take control of your health today. It definitely sounds like you're integrating really data-driven approaches, making data-informed decisions with kind of that more intuitive, how do I feel, plus understanding that you are human, uh, which I think that combination of the data plus the intuition plus the, the human element is is hard for a lot of people. So I think that a lot of what you said is, is really tactical ways to kind of integrate all of them into your life, uh, which I which I love. Um, you mentioned a little bit about stress, but what is your kind of go-to when it comes to stress management? Yeah, outside of, you know, the workout that I try to do first thing in the morning, which is a big stress reliever for me. Um, honestly, it's it's just taking time to myself, whether it's getting outdoors and just, you know, being with myself, not having any music or a phone, just walking. Um, it's obviously, you know, spring slowly heading into summer, so the weather's getting a lot better. It's more fun to be outdoors you know, just getting under the sunshine, which I think is great. And then next is I really enjoy like stretching and foam rolling. I think I, I neglected it for a really long time, uh, even though I program it in for a lot of my clients and the athletes that I work with, but it just, it makes me feel a lot better. 
So trying to do at least, you know, five to 10 minutes every single day, whether it's in and around a workout or at the end of the day, for me, it just, it provides a lot of relief and it just makes me feel a lot better, which, uh, I can definitely feel. And it helps with, you know, getting to bed and not having to worry about too much. And how do you think about supplementation as it relates to your physical health and, and also your mental health, stress, sleep, et cetera? Yeah. You know, honestly, nowadays we are bombarded by more stressors, you know, internal and external than ever before. And we know that most people's diets are not ideal. The food quality, the soil, everything has unfortunately gone downhill here in the United States. So, you know, we're not, I, I think I, I've published, I put, I'm not published, but I posted this before. I don't think there's a single diet that you can follow that's going to, you know, hit the mark on getting you every single micronutrient and vitamin in the amounts that you would need. Plus, you know, having done a few nutrition genome tests, I understand that I'm predisposed to being deficient in uh, a few different things. And even though I was making it a priority to eat them, um, when I got those tests done and got blood work done, I was still low in a couple different things. So I was like, okay, I really need to make sure that since it's difficult to get in the diet and I'm already trying and I'm not getting in the right amounts, that supplementation is warranted because I have no other choice because there are certain foods and things that I know that I'm not going to eat at the end of the day. And that's just me being a stubborn human. So I know that they're important. So if I can't get them in food, I have to get them through supplementation. So I think from an individual perspective, it's always warranted if it speaks to somebody's needs. But then we also know that there's a lot of data on things that have been published that have multiple benefits. You know, we're talking about things like creatine, fish oil, magnesium, and now there's more coming out about, you know, collagen and glycine. Uh, so knowing that it's difficult to provide your body with everything it needs to begin with. And now that we're bombarded by so many different stressors from electronics to phones to, you know, xenoestrogens to microplastics that, you know, supplementation is definitely warranted and needed. And switching gears a little bit um, in terms of kind of how you think about what the future looks like um, for all of this uh, in terms of precision health, which is really what you're doing today uh, on an individualized basis, looking at what's going on in people's bodies from a data standpoint, working with them to figure out what works for their environment, um, and then thinking about supplementation in the way that you do from a genetic plus blood level plus what's happening in the world uh, basis. What do you think health and wellness really looks like in the next three to five years? I hope it's you know, obviously there's going to be more trackers, there's going to be, you know, more biosensors available, which I think is great because for the most part, we are inundated in this age of advancements in technology and software and even advancements in medicine and, you know, drugs, but we are still as unhealthy as we always have been and it's not getting any better. So most people aren't just going to take the initiative to really diagnose themselves and take care of themselves. So they need some assistance from a wearable, from a biomarker, from you know these different platforms that are coming out to provide the insight that they would have not had before. And the same way that you know we've always told athletes that, hey, you need to sleep, you need to manage stress, you need to do X, Y, and Z, that just falls on deaf ears. But when you get a chance to actually show them their own objective data, you know, for the most part, depending on what you're measuring, then sometimes you get a light bulb moment in their head. And it's like, oh, when I take care of myself, the numbers go up. When I don't take care of myself, the numbers go down. And I think that holds true with most of the people, uh, most adults and even some of the younger adults too, that 
until there is something that actually shows them or forces them that their habits aren't necessarily ideal or their health status isn't where it needs to be, they're not really going to do anything about it. So that's what I'm excited about. You know, more of these applications coming out that become available to the public, you know, people being empowered by using their own specific biomarkers, their own specific health to make informed decisions on their own and not wait until something happens or they get a chronic disease or, um, you know, they end up in the hospital, you know, because by then it's going to be really difficult for them to reverse the damage that's already been done. And thinking about a lot of the innovation that's happening now, are there any tools or tests or biomarkers that you wish you could learn more about more often that you don't have access today that you wish that you could or, or kind of see coming over the next few years? Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what happens in the cognitive space. You know, people are, you know, we, we know about HRV heart rate, you know, we can measure a lot of different things through blood, but how the brain works is still a big mystery and we're continuing to learn, which I think is very uh, unique. I know there's a lot of different startups, a lot of different companies that are working on trying to figure out what's the best way to be able to, to diagnose that and, and bring information to light. And then the next is still, again, learning a lot more about the microbiome. So we've got a variety of different microbiomes in the body, you know, it's skin, it's nose, it's mouth, it's, it's gut, uh, being able to test and see what is ideal or optimal for a specific person and not necessarily compare it to, oh, well, these endurance athletes have these strands. And so that's just very unique to them. And that's not found in other populations. I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's, it's specific only to them. Um, and not because they are endurance athletes. So I think that's another area that's, you know, really exciting that hopefully we'll get more information to be able to test and see where somebody's at and how can you, you know, take the initiative or what you can do to improve it. Definitely. I'm excited for kind of everything that everything you talked about. And I think there's a lot, a lot coming down the line. Uh, well, Pratik, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on Precision Health Pod. Uh, last question is just how can people find out more about you, more about your coaching um, and uh, more about your business? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty active on social media, mainly on Twitter and Instagram. So my handle is at Pratik X Patel. So try to post, you know, as often as I can sharing a lot of insights and fun things that I learned over the, my past, you know, 12, 13 years working in team sport, but how it's applicable for, you know, people in the real world. Well, thanks so much for being here. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in for another episode of the Precision Health Pod. Madden and Mitchell Media.